0: Welcome back to Legend Rouge cycling podcast for another cracking day in the Pyrenees. A crazy Tour de France stage, short but packed, filled with action. Stage six from Tarbes to Col cam basque 145 k's. The first 56 k's are pretty flat, with one Cat three in the middle of it, and then there's the cold aspect, Col de Tourmalet, uh combo. The Tombeasque 17 k, 7.5%, an all-category climb with. What is the Souvenir Jacques again? It's not because Henry Degrange is the highest point.
1: I'm going to guess it's money you get because it's a heroic climb in the race. I've got absolutely no clue, okay. but from now on, that's a definition.
0: Yeah, let's just, cause, let's just say it's because it's the Tourmalet It gets a special name. Then there's the descent before the step climb to Calteret. It has 3Ks in the last third, which is steep, but largely it's false flat. A lot of false flat in just a, a 3K 10% section. And... After yesterday, we obviously had Jai Hindley in the GC lead. So the big question was: How would Bora Hansgrohe approach the stage? Would they try and control everything? Would they go for this? Would they just let a big break go? And out a neutral, Benji, it kicked off like just straight out off the gun. Vanard launched. Vanard launched, and the first group
1: got ahead. That group was quite a solid group of breakaway riders. Yambo in there with Vanard, like you said, Matteo Trentin for UAE. So. We don't have this 1v1 battle of trying to get into the breakaway, then UAE countering between the two dis- teams this time around. Straight up, those two riders in the breakaway together with Kwiatkowski. And then, at the start, it was only really one rider of EF. James Shaw, Julien Alaphilippe, Arndt, Cosnefra, Vanderpool also in there. Nylund's pretty good today. Johansson, pretty important to mention with a teammate Gregard, and some other dudes in there. Anyway, then we get to a second attack that joins behind. Ruben Guerrero of Movistar. Perez Paulus. Green and Narsen. So we've got extra riders now joining that breakaway. This is now a group of 19, 20, 20, I think. So pretty large group, but more importantly, no one within eight minutes, seven minutes.
0: So Bora's pretty happy, but what is their reaction? They paced, they kept the gap pretty tight. And I was kind of surprised with that. I didn't know if they wanted to stop Jumbo and UAE having a satellite rider mm-hmm. after Tormelay because they wanted to really defend Hindley's, you know, in case he only got dropped on Tourmalet, or whether they were trying to, by controlling the race with the rulers before the first climb, those rulers are going to drop on the cold Aspen, and then you can, you, you basically mean, you can let the gap out, and Conrad doesn't, or Jungles don't have to pace as hard as on Aspam. That might have been it. I'm not really sure what they were doing.
1: Okay, you mentioned satellite riders there, Bernard not in Trenton. Those riders being in the breakaway, is Vanard there 100% for a satellite ride or do you think he also has an option for the stage?
0: I think he was there as a satellite rider and that became pretty clear as we got to the Col spa. So yeah, the it, the break formed much quicker than yesterday, as you said, and it's the fight for it. I mean, I think UAE would have wanted Soler or Groschartner in it, yeah. not Trenton, because can Trenton really make it over yeah. the top of the Tourmalade? Not useful. Probably not. So he's just, he's there in, you know symbolically in the, in the breakaway. Yeah,
1: his soul has already left in the groupetto. <laughs>
0: yeah, and who else did we mention? We run through the other, like, Quiacho looked really good today. EF, obviously, they, I don't know whether EF wanted the stage or KOM points, because they, Palos bridged across, so, uh, and but yeah, it was a tug buddy galore, uh, even for enemy, oh, is he, no, his former enemy. Yeah, he's yeah, former, former enemy, enemy Sorry, Nico Denz's current enemy. So yeah, Johansson, if he won, I would have been absolutely fine with it, uh, with Gregard helping him the Dane and the Norwegian. So anyway, we get to Kolda Smaa. Bora paced the first, I would say, six, seven mm-hmm. kilometers, maybe even the first eight kilometers. Van Aert's doing a lot of work on the Kolda And then Jumbo start pacing both groups yeah, pretty hard. And that was very clear, like, clear that the plan was not Van Aert's stage win. Because if you want Van Aert to win the stage, first of all, he doesn't just do the whole climb on the front. And second of all, you don't chase him.
1: Yeah, to spell it out here, so Wout Van Aert is pacing to make sure that the gap from the breakaway to the peloton is large enough by the time he gets over the tourmalet to still be ahead of anything that happens so for example it was clear from this point onwards to me that we were going to see an attack on the tourmalet because otherwise why is wadfinard pacing at the front he's not preserving for the stage win and so forth behind jumbo pacing it balanced each other out if wadfinard is pacing at the front and the peloton is pacing the gap stays the same in Aspen. And you've got a gap of, it was three minutes towards the bottom, but it moved towards three minutes and a half roughly towards yeah. the top. But the most important part is the, is the descent, though. No?
0: Well, yeah, because Yumbo basically, they've got to the front and then they go so slow in the peloton on the descent and let that gap open back up. Uh, and yeah, Van Aert, oh, Van Der Poel was pushing the break. I don't know why Van Der Poel Benji chooses these stages to get in the break. He has no chance. I agree. I can't add
1: much more than that. What? This is not a break for him. Stage 8 or 9, I don't know which one it is. He did this, did this uh. in the Giro, too, yep. last year. He went in breakways, and he tried to benefit from the descent to then have an advantage yeah. on the climb, and he did that again today. He was pacing in the descent in the breakway once again, but that helps Van Aert, so Van Aert's happy with that. But then he didn't get away, and on the climb itself, he's going to drop, and that happened just afterwards. We didn't mention Paulo Sturicay went point on the on the spin, but we were heading to the Tourmaline now, eh? And like you said, the fact that Jumbo Visma is slowing down in the peloton to make sure that the gap expands to the breakaway so that Ralf and can stay ahead by the top of the Tourmalet, well, that was happening, eh? The gap was nearly five minutes.
0: Yeah, it was like, it'd gone way, way out. And it was clear, I think that was the answer that Bora Hansgrohe were like, we'll do with our strong rulers, Van Poppel, we'll do the flat and then the climb, we have no interest in making the climbs difficult uh, or, or too difficult. So they're pacing the gap goes down a little bit when they're pacing maybe to the breakaway and then Wout van Aert again starts pacing he does the whole well no sorry Alaphilippe attacked
1: <laughs> why my man is thinking that he's Contador in his prime because like he always attacks very early on a climb because yeah. maybe he wants to get some kind of advantage and hope that the group stops cooperating but he always implodes like i haven't seen Alaphilippe attack in a breakaway and not implode since 2018, 2019. 2019, he was a semi-GC rider, but I think 2018 was the one where he won the Polkadot jersey. I don't remember fully, but um,
0: He's done way too much this first week.
1: He's always attacking and pacing when he doesn't need to be attacking and pacing. Regardless, he was being caught again because Wout van was still pacing in that group and we were waiting for something. We were waiting for something on the Tourmalet at the start. In the peloton, Bora took over a bit because the first portion of the Tourmalet is basically not false flat, but 4 or 5% no.
0: Yeah, it's like a the the whole climb, they include, you know, people say the formula is seventeen K's long, but as you said, the first four Ks of that are big ring, you know, two, three percent. It's really the thirteen the last thirteen kilometers are, are the steepest. And there's also, you know, eight point eight nine percent right at the end, and it goes up to twenty one hundred and ten meters. It's not it's not high, high altitude, but there's a significant difference between the power you can put out up there and at, at sea level. So it's a big old climb. But yeah, Jumbo, Visma, Benji, they eventually came to the front with Laporte, who'd also paced yeah. Aspen. I was like, well, Laporte's not going to drop anybody. Yeah, it was um, slow. It, it was a slow enough pace, and, he, you know, Wout not losing any time, and I think they were probably playing with the idea of, well, you want Van Aert over the top, how much time does he need? Because when the GC guys attack, you know, they can do the last kilometer of a climb at high altitude like this. So they can take a minute and a half in one kilometer on a guy who's been in a breakaway and is not a GC rider. So maybe it was the gap to Van Aert. It was still a very, very firm pace. They still do the yeah. Tomole very hard. Eventually he pulls, it's not really, it's quite linear, isn't it? Yumba just cycle through their riders, except one. But, not. but no, yeah, like Laporte goes, then Van Hoydonk does a long pull. Yeah. A bit too long? Uh, yeah, maybe Van Barla could have come up if uh, maybe Van Hoydonk's pace was good. We do see some riders start to, and the group does get thinner now. Yeah. But no, drops off his pace, as you said. The breakaway again. It's just well, they not pulling <laughs> uh, with Paulus. That group is thinned down a lot, though. It's got Paulus, Guerrero, Kwiatkowski, James Shaw. Uh, who else was in there? Johansson, they were the best guys in yeah. the breakaway.
1: Would you say that, regardless of what happens at an, in the stage at this point onwards, that Wild van Out could have won the stage? Yeah, I think so. He was fucking strong.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, maybe it was Jode de Gaal right. <laughs> <laughs> After all. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, he looked very strong on the stage, obviously, but Kwiatkowski looked very, very good too, but he obviously didn't have to do the work of, of van Aert. So... I'm not so sure, Benji. I mean, Johansson's still a, a pretty good rider and his finish is still uphill with a steep section. I don't think it's a guarantee Van Aert. I mean, maybe he attacks in a different section, but yeah, yeah. I, think, I don't think it's correct to say Van Aert would have just won this stage automatically. That's a bit disrespectful to Guerrero, Kwiatkowski, Johansson, who I thought were yeah. very, very impressive. But yeah, Jumbo eventually get to Van Bala. We're getting, it's now 4Ks to the top of Tomlay, and it's really heating up. Van Bala does a short pull and then Kelder Goat didn't pull yesterday. I thought he might have, but I, don't know. I think he just got straight up dropped on Marie Blanc. Keldman just pulls really hard and the race <laughs> explodes. Three Ks or something to go. Mike, like the whole of you where you're gone. Mate. Ineos got like it goes, it literally went from a group of 25 to, th- to four. Yeah, it went to
1: five technically. Yeah. yeah. Keldman, Kuss, Fingard, Pog and Hindley. Instantly. There was a gap to the others. Buchmann instantly shredded himself. He worked today, but we'll get to that a bit later. We also have the likes of uh, Micah was dropping, like you said. Everybody else has disappeared. Yeah. Skelmo's a dropping off the larger group of GC yeah. is there, which shows that on these larger climbs, is he weaker on these larger climbs? Because yeah.
0: in Swiss, there's also larger climbs. No, ah, uh, but he was dropping and never pulling on the climbs either in Swiss. He was always in the wheels and trying to come back on the descent, and it was you know and he still lost a lot of time to goal. On that yep. stage And he could play with his GC gap So, you know, Marie Blanc And the other climbs Also, Schnellmose was dropped And he used the descent very aggressively To yep. come back But on the Tourmalet, you can't <laughs> It's a 45-minute climb <laughs> And so Hinley Hindley made the decision He was going to try and stay with Vingegaard and Pagacha And that eventually didn't, you know Didn't work out for him Because Kelderman drops him off the wheel While he's pacing Before Koos takes over Not like a lead-out well, it was a lead-up, but like a long, hard pull. And Pogacar was looking a lot less labored than yesterday, Benji. Yep, he was looking less labored than yesterday, but I'll be honest,
1: yesterday before he he cracked, there were some signs that he didn't look amazing, but I also was like, nah, can't be true, right? He can't drop this early. So I'm living in this fantasy right now where I'm like hoping that he's not going to drop on this climb because the best scenario that can happen right now is that Pogacar can stay in the wheel of Jonas Vingegaard and... After that, Kuspel, when Vingergard went, absolutely sniped it, but it also was a pace that Pogachar could hold for a longer portion of time, it seems. And I was getting more and more hope that we have a Tour de France in our hands, that we have a race in our hands. And I was, I was just hoping for Pogachar not to do up. Like, I straight up was praying, I was praying. And then my mom texted me. My mom was like, Benji, I don't know what's going on. Why is Vingegaard
0: pacing after Wout van Aert? <laughs> true, no, that is true. Maybe the Flemish public will say that after today. But I'm not, not joking, she sent that <laughs> she could get a job on Sports, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's if Poggy drops there on Tormelay, if Bogaccia drops there, he's going to lose so much time on the descent. His yeah. teammates are over a minute behind him already, the gap had gone to 90 seconds, and the Walfour would be able to pace Finger Guard in that descent and the, the base of K- So... That would have been probably yeah a, a huge time loss if he got dropped on the Tomale. He was able to hold on. Yep. Did Vingegaard go too much on Tormelay? In the end, he is putting Hinley behind, so he puts he is putting the Hinley to bed. Mate, two minutes. Yeah, so Hinley's gone, uh, and you don't have to worry about him again for the rest of the race. But I think Art made a mistake here. He got over the top by forty seconds. Mm-hmm and didn't wait at the top or even near the top. What if Vingegaard had dropped Pogacar by 2-3 seconds?
1: I agree, but I also feel like that's something that should come from the team card. The team card should say you should wait at the top instead of try and slow down a bit at the start of the send so that Vingegaard can catch up with you. Of course, Wildfinot needs to restart fast enough so that he has the momentum, just in case. Let's say that Vingegaard drops Pogacha with 50 meters to go near the top. Yeah. Juan needs to have momentum already. He can't just be standing yeah, there. True. So that's the one thing that could lead to Juan just not waiting directly at the top. And he doesn't
0: know how far they are behind him, I guess. Maybe Joel,
1: And also, we saw the thing last year where Nathan van Hoydonk was just going a bit too slow on the descent and didn't know yeah, they were coming.
0: Exactly. that. You're right. That did happen.
1: So is that the reason why they don't want to do that? I think there's some timing things that I can't tell if they can get that right.
0: Yeah, I mean, just there's Van Art wait in the first hairpin and look up the mountain because then you got a better view and then wait to see them coming down and then start pedaling. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but certainly uh, the reason I mentioned this is because it was very, very clear that Pagacha couldn't follow Vingegaard's wheel in the corners yep. of, of the, the start of the tourmaline and the start in the of descent the, in the, descent, in the descent. The start of the descent was quite technical or, or not that technical to be honest. It was just, you know, hairpins. And... Yeah, at a certain point, Vingegaard had such a gap, I think he attacked Pogaccia or, yep. or tried to start pushing on. But obviously, you know, he's not going to push on a whole descent with Pogaccia two meters behind him, trying to drop him on the descent. So, but Van Aert wasn't there. But then again, Van Aert wasn't... So he eventually catches up to Van Aert. Hinley Hinley's group, I think Bardet attacked on Tourmalet. I don't know. He's kind of like his Galibier attack. Bardet attacking there with, you know, UAE had three. Ineos had multiple. I don't think that was yeah. the best uh, use of resources, but were you surprised to see at that point on Tourmalet, all of UAE chasing with Hindley in the wheel? Because Hindley's ahead of Pog on GC.
1: Yeah, it is interesting, but it's also a scenario where I don't think Pogachar is overly scared of Hindley yet, even though yesterday happened. I'm, I think Pogachar probably was thinking, I'm here to win the Tour de France. And Yes, maybe they're pacing Adam Yates and maybe they're trying to make it a bit harder for the people that are also in that group. But maybe it's also that Pogaccio would feel more confident if he has some domestics at least within two minutes of him instead of outside of two minutes of yeah. him. Because they're in the shadow realm anyway. Hindley's yeah. taken
0: care of anyway. Exactly. Hindley's never coming back. It's a question of how much time does he lose You know, on the stage? Is it two? Is it three? Is it four minutes? And... Yeah, so Vingegaard catches up to Van Aert. As, yep. you, as we saw, Van Aert in the corners was nowhere near as good as Vingegaard. Like, they were going slower on the descent, even though on the, on the non-technical fast section, you of course want Van Aert, a big body to break the wind in front of you. But through the corners, Vingegaard and even Pagacci were kind of faster than him.
1: Is that related to Vingegaard and Pogacar's size? Because I looked, looked all as this, because he's a, he's a technician, a yeah, real yeah. man behind the scenes here. When it comes to descending, obviously white Van Aert has technique, eh? We know it from Cyclocross and so forth, so that's not really the biggest issue here, but is it the center of gravity?
0: I don't know about that. I don't really understand that.
1: Because, like, the lower your center of gravity is, the more you can lean into Tip the corners. The in.
0: mm, to me, it looked like Van Aert was taking bad lines. Like, Vingegaard mm-hmm. would go way wider before yeah. the corner and then undercut him through the apex, so I, I don't know if it was that too much. I think Vingegaard is just a better descender technically than, than Van Aert. Uh, maybe maybe there is something to it. And so we have this situation of Van Aert. D- oh, sorry. was a group ahead, by the way, Van Aert's waited. The group ahead is Guerrero, Johannessen, Kwiatkowski, Paulus, and Shaw. So a group of five all going to stage.
1: I need to note for a second, there was a KOM fight between oh, yeah, that true. group on top of the Tourmalet. And Guerrero absolutely sh- elbowed Johannesson. Oh, yeah, that was
0: despicable. That is
1: just relegation 100%, maybe even worse. He
0: lost, but... he lost us. beat him in the KOM sprint and remonstrated with him at the same time.
1: <laughs> but hey, I just wanted to say that that was fucked behavior by Guerrero. Anyway, that group was ahead, like you said, and it was getting towards 10, 20 seconds max towards the, the well, if you not, know, Vingegaard, Pogacar train behind with Paulus in the wheel as well, who was caught up with in that descent. So that group was coming together with two minutes and a half almost on the peloton behind, and... It's a battle on two ends. Eh? It's a battle for podium behind. Yeah. It's a
0: battle for GC at the front. Avanard just keeps on trucking. Were you surprised that Bora put him uh, put put Bookman on the front when because in, they get to the valley. Ineos have done the descent. Ineos have mm-hmm. Castroviejo, Pidcock, Rodriguez. So all of those guys are fighting for th- those guys are fighting for third at best, and are not beating Pog and and Jonas. The They stop on the descent and look, and Bora sent Bookman to the front, Benji. Yeah. Should they have switched at that phase into, okay, Hoggy and Jonas are literally two minutes ahead, two and a half minutes ahead (laughs) of us now. Should we keep Bookman to pace the final climb for Hindley? Because he can still drop other guys. Hindley Hindley finished best of the guys in that group. Yeah. So should they have used Bookman to pace the steep section of Cotere and get more time for third on GC at that point?
1: Probably, to be honest. I don't blame Hindley for trying to follow Pogachar on the Tourmalet itself. I'm not sure you agree with that. I'll give you a second. But I like that because he was maybe still thinking, okay, Pogachar yesterday was, was not what he was last year, for example, or the year before. So maybe this is a moment where I can try and benefit and get second. But then he dropped from pogachar and maybe when the gap was two minutes, they should have switched to the podium battle instead of fighting for second.
0: Yeah, and maybe, you know, should Jumbo, Wisma, Benji, should they have switched when Jonas didn't drop on Tormelay to being a little bit more defensive? I mean. It's really difficult,
1: you know, because yesterday yeah. there was a major gap. Yesterday, the difference between Vingegaard and Pogacar yeah. was to me the difference that we saw in Le Grand Bournon between Pogacar and the rest of the competition. Because yeah, yeah. the only reason that Vingegaard doesn't take three minutes yesterday is because it's only Marie Blanc and not Colderon plus Colombier and so forth. So. The gap was huge yesterday they get over the Tourmalet and they don't see that difference and maybe that's an indication to them where i'm like okay pog is better i was at that point at the top of Tourmalet pog is better but i'm also at the point of like maybe maybe if they keep going you can get the fatigue in more and you can still drop them at the end because there's still a steep section on call today
0: but yeah. it's all risky yeah? that's the thing because you know on galibier poggy also looked a million bucks and was actually paced the whole of the galibier with jonas in his wheel and the Grenon stage last year. The difference here is that the Col de Grenon is not the Col climb. The Col in the wheels, you're not doing as many, you know, the draft benefit is huge except for the last part. So Hog has a long time to recover. And also, it's not that long a climb, you know, 3K is 10%. Marie Blanc is harder, but st- yeah, you're still like, if you drop so easily on Marie Blanc, and you have a 3K 10% section after going full beans on Tourmalais, where I think, yeah, they smashed the 2021 record. Then Yamba probably, yeah, still think, okay, it's in play that Vingard has to try to drop him on culture around the steep section. Um, well, does he? As in, yes, he has to try it.
1: But the other option is saying, okay, we gave it a roll. I'll just give you the four seconds
0: because I'm scared. Well, yeah, you say Pagaccha you pace because you're behind Hindley more on GC a- and make. Say Pagacha, if you want the stage when you pace, um, is the option. I don't know, I think, I think you have to try anyway. So, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. I think as a Belgian, I need to put my fist on the table and say that it should have just gifted the stage to out for not.
0: Oh, <laughs> it would have been tough to beat Johansson, I think, because yeah, Van Aert is basically pacing the whole of the first, I think, 11 kilometers of Cotteray after doing the descent, after pacing Tourmalet. He paces the whole of that, the first part of that climb on the shallow section with Guerrero, Pogaccia, Vingegaard, Shaw, Hindley, uh, Kwiatkowski in his wheel. Super impressive performance. And it's a huge group that's fallen behind. And Ineos start chasing again this time. And they've got Rodriguez there in the wheel. So they're trying to, I think, set up Rodriguez because Pigcock. I don't know. Rodriguez is looking like a better, the better GC option for Ineos over Pigcock, who lost more time today. But yeah, we get to we get to the moment, Benji. Well, Fanart's finishing his pull. We have 5Ks to go on Colter 8. The steep section is coming. Fanart does his final lead out. He does his supless like he did last year on Altacam. And Vingegaard attacks. But it doesn't seem to have the same snap as yesterday. And Pegacha responds really, really easily in the saddle, in the wheel. And Vingegaard keeps going. Yeah, Vingegaard keeps on pacing because maybe
1: if things in his head if I keep on pacing on the steep section, the fatigue might actually kill Pogacar. But I also was feeling like the tempo didn't seem hard enough to actually make that work. Because if he doesn't drop in that attack and you keep that the same tempo, that is a bit lower than that. Maybe a guard risked it all and went all out, there might've been a crack, but we didn't see that crack. That kept on going and gotta give some credit where due, Kwiatkowski held on for quite a fucking long time. That is Dude. That was insane that was that was a blast from the past <laughs> that's team so sky train right there
0: i couldn't believe it he was there <laughs> for a long time as well and that also made me think like in what world would kwiatkowski be able, be able to hang with vingegaard attacking on 8 9% 10% you know for even a minute yeah I, I, I don't see it so after after being in the breakaway so either vingegaard either kwiatkowski was much better possible or vingegaard didn't have it so at that point Bingard just keeps pacing, keeps pacing, yeah. keeps pacing, keeps pacing. You blame him? Um, I think at a certain point he should have um, stopped. And it is reminding me of Loge de Garde a little bit, actually, in Paris Nice. I think maybe he, and I'm, talk, I'm not talking after 30 seconds. Yeah. I, don't, I don't say just stop when Pagacha's in your wheel initially. You're yeah. not, you, know, you might not just drop Pagacha straight away. I'm not even saying after a minute, but I think when Pagacha's been there for three, four minutes and you're pacing and it's, this is not Von 2 either, yep. this is still not that serious a climb, probably then he should have flicked Pagacha and gone into, okay, I, first of all, Jonas' sprint isn't terrible. If I sit in his wheel, he has to pull. Maybe if he pulls the whole way for whatever reason because of Hindley, I don't know. I can win the sprint, <laughs> very unlikely. But I think there was a point where Jonas should have been aware that pagacha could counterattack him, and he didn't seem that aware of that because he... Yeah, he he seemed surprised when that did happen.
1: I agree with that awareness. When Pogacar attacked from the wheel, it was that snap, accelerative attack we know that Pogacar has. We saw it in Parinese, for example, and it was very similar to Parinese. Yeah, we've spoken about it in our preview. Parinese is kind of a myth. The difference between the two there was gigantic. Vingard just wasn't in shape there. And then right here, we see a blast from the past from that Parinese where Pogacar does that attack and it instantly creates separation. Vingard tries to close that, but... Maybe the separation is there. It's very difficult to open. Well, to open yourself up to close that again, and the gap was there. And like you said, it seems like Vingegaard didn't expect it, and he probably should have had.
0: Because yeah, if he's if he's already in Pagacha's wheel because he's flicked him and yeah. they stop, and because Vingegaard doesn't need to keep right. Like Hindley's like three minutes behind. Yeah. Like we don't. He's going into yellow as long as yeah. he doesn't get dropped by fifty seconds. But and, and also this levels off a lot. So that becomes advantage, if Pogac is now I said it yesterday, on the flat, if Pogac is not feeling as good as Vingard, of course Vingard has an advantage, but if he's equal and then this levels off to 6%, 4%, 5%, the last two Ks and you get dropped and Poggy's cooling at 400 watts, then then you have a problem. So yeah, I think he didn't seem to expect the attack at all because it's not like he just completely collapsed. He did get out of the saddle and sprint, but he's lost the draft. And yep. Poggi's you know, acceleration is, is his main weapon, and he used that to great effect. Um, Vingegaard, and this is what I, why I mentioned that, Vingegaard held the gap pretty stable yep. at six seconds. It even looked like he was closing it a little bit. The but time gaps were Italian time, they, time they gaps, were, I They were, but you could visibly see it. And then it leveled off, and Pogaccia blew the gap out when yep. it, in the last 1,500 meters. So maybe Pogaccia just was fresher. And the mental gain probably of knowing that he
1: just dropped Jonas Vingegaard that dropped him yesterday is such a major step for Pogacar as well that it might have actually given him a bit more wads than if he would have just been in the wheel of Jonas for this final. So that's a major step. And like you said, the gap exceeded, but also not to the extent that Pogacar takes that yellow jersey because he needed quite a bit of time only for bonus seconds. If you win the stage, he was on his way to win it.
0: Huge comeback from Tadej Pogacar drops Jonas Vingegaard after Jumbo Visma, you know, set up the whole stage and road to basically try to put the Tour de France to yep. bed. He flips the script, wins the stage, drops Vingegaard on Calteyre and takes 24 seconds Crazy. as well. 10th Tour de France stage win. Vingegaard keeps his yellow. Well, Vingard keeps his GC lead, goes yep. into the yellow jersey, but he's probably the most. Depressed person ever to go into a yellow jersey <laughs> after, after what happened. But he's still 25 seconds ahead of Pogaccia. Uh Johannesson is what I mean. Johannesson finished on 122. Could they not have beaten him? I don't know. Exactly. Guerrero and Shaw got dropped. Shaw, a good performance. Jai Hindley dropped uh, most of the, the very large group behind, except for Rodriguez and Simon Yates. They lost 239. Adam Yates on 311. So big gap behind there. Bardey rounding out the top 10 on 312 with Pidcock and Gudu.
1: I won't lie, I was a bit sceptical when I saw Ineos pacing behind, but Rodriguez made that attack, and to be able to finish with Hindley and Yates and put time in some other competitors for that potential top five, I am happy of what they did in hindsight. I was sceptical in the moment, but I'm hindsight in... I'm happy in hindsight to see that Carlos Rodriguez is able to pull this off. That Jai Hindley still in the podium battle. Simon Yates is up there as well. Adam Yates with a bit of a punch against him today. So Simon's become the, the better brother after yeah, after no. six days of racing. But big question. Jumbo Visma put out an all-out assault to put the Tour de France to bed. To destroy Hindley, to destroy Pogachar mainly. And to make sure they win the Tour de France in the first week. And let's be honest, towards the end of the stage it backfires. But I can't blame them for trying after what happened yesterday.
0: Yeah, I think obviously I, 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 there's no way you can criticize attacking on Tormalei because yeah. at no point was Vingegaard ever in danger of somehow losing time on Tormalei. Yeah. It's the climb that suits him the most. He has Vanat ahead. Yeah. And UAE have no one ahead. Yeah. So even if he has a problem or weak Tormalei, that's fine. I also think if you're going to commit and go for the stage, Jonas has to attack on the steep section of Colteray. Yep. Otherwise, you're just towing Poggy to a stage win. Yep. If you do it easy, there was a certain point, as as I said before, and I, I you know I don't mean one minute or two minutes because on two, Jonas attacked and didn't drop Poggy straight away. Yep. He then had to keep going a little bit, but there was a certain point where I think Jonas yeah did need to start thinking about not getting counted uh with Poggy in his wheel and if he hadn't got taken by surprise he still gets dropped probably but i think he pulled a little bit too long uh on culture but yeah obviously i thought after yeah. yes after yesterday mate
1: i, I was i was terrified the tour was <laughs> over yesterday i was <laughs> i was actually sad in the evening after the podcast because i thought if Jonas can make such a gap on such a climb like yesterday I was scared he was going to do it every single climb this Tour de France. So today was the best thing that could happen. The utterly best thing that could happen for this Tour de France and for our entertainment. So that's fucking amazing.
0: It's incredible. And, you know, this might happen again. We now have Puy de Dome on Sunday, I think. On Sunday, we've got another test where we'll see these guys going against each other. So And about that, we saw after the first weekend, Pogacar had the advantage when
1: it comes to bonus second expected advantage. After yesterday... Yumbo saw weakness, so today they started to try and use it. First of all, I am scared that Jonas might become a bit scared of Pogacar to the point that he might not dare to do these moves anymore, while Pogacar will probably be the attacker now.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. You know, will UAE now, buoyed by what happened today, pace for the stage win on Puida (laughs) Dime? Seriously. seriously, like It's fucking true. You know, or or will Yumbo who after Marie Blanc would have said, you know, we'll go for the stage on Puy de Dome. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, was Jonas bad today? I haven't seen the Watts. I haven't seen the Watts, but breaking the Tourmalet record and, <laughs> you know, and also pulling the whole time, he, I don't think he was terrible either. Yeah. So I think the reality is Pogaccio was, one thing's clear, Pogaccio was way better than on stage five for yeah. whatever reason. Um, and. Then, when that's the reality, when will Jonas drop Pagacha on a climb like Caltere? Even, you know, when, when we look at a finished climb like Caltere, we'll say Pagacha will win that climb. Pog- that's a Pagacha climb. It's, yeah. you know, not too steep for too long. It's a long climb. Yeah. But so it's then once it's peak poggy, it's like, well, but there is obviously the fatigue from before. Um, yeah, he was just too good and he played it perfectly. And and the way he counted right at the end, he lulled Jonas to sleep and, yeah, really, really impressive from him. And UAE will be buoyed from it, you know. Going into second, I'll, I'll read out the GC, but winning the stage, their second of the week, I think, UAE. They uh, won the stage and it's their yes, second. correct. They win the Marth. stage and Vingar goes into the yellow jersey, 25 seconds ahead of Pogaccia. Hinley drops down to third on 134, but he's got it still... Because the breakaway yesterday, a very healthy gap on Simon Yates on 314, Mate. Rodriguez on 330, Adam Yates on 340, Godou on 403, Bardet 443, Pidcock also on the same time, and Coos moves into 10th on 528. Lander and O'Connor were still riding full for GC there, like 11th and 12th round with Bulbao. So there was a huge shakeup today. I think these are now the GC, like Bookman's out, Chicone's out, he's full gone, Shkelmoz is out. Hinley will defend third now. Yes. And I think Hinley is going to be un, come under attack from Jayco, from Ineos, from uh, Group Lama, yeah. the third.
1: We can say that, but on the other end, right now it's a 2 horse battle, and I feel like those teams will decide how the races run throughout the Tour of France. If UAE decides this is the stage we're going to absolutely try to destroy, they're gonna do that, and the other people are gonna be passengers. they are gonna be NPCs at the back trying to survive, and maybe if they're both ahead, Jonas and Tade in the group ahead, maybe then you've got a fight behind where teammates start pacing for, like we saw today. Yeah. But that scenario is so doesn't happen often. You usually, just have mano a mano fights behind the the best GC riders. But I'm I'm absolutely amazed of what happens today. I think this is truly the best thing that could have happened for this race after yesterday, where I was a bit worried for the for the entertainment level of the Tour de France. Jai Hindley, I don't see as a competition for the top two places, obviously, no, no. after today.
0: And he looked good for third, to be honest. It's not just yeah. that he, he has a very healthy gap of one minute 40 on Simon Yates, but he also, it, it, he dropped most. He dropped yeah. Adam Yates, he dropped the other guys and he, he was kind of probably isolated and pacing himself. So I think Hindley, I think Jayco, FDJ, and this is what's curious to me of yesterday, Benji. I was really surprised that first of all, Fdj, yeah, pulled in the break with Madawas. Yeah, Jaco had a guy in the break as well. Yep, and Ineos pulled True. Ineos with Frailer, made Hinley's gap happen, and that's his gap. Yep, on those guys for the podium. So his
1: gap is there because of them. It would have been a smaller yeah. gap,
0: half a minute difference maybe. I think he gets caught if if Ineos don't pull full with Frailer and. Yeah, they, yeah I, but he would have been with Vinger go over the line. Yeah, probably. Yes, yeah. So, exactly. But it would be less. So I am, I am surprised that they didn't pull in hindsight for yesterday. But you know, a lot of things can play out differently. The, another thing I noticed from this stage is Pagacci was flexing his wrist a lot yeah. on the descent. I don't know whether that was just for the cameras. No, that, that was seemingly yeah. something
1: because he was doing that so much in the descent. It's logical because and he didn't
0: know the camera was there. It wasn't next to him. It was like he was doing it all the time with the camera like bike way away
1: obviously i'm a terrible descender when i descend i hold <laughs> my steer so tightly yeah, that yeah. my hands hold or hurt all the time even if you are a competent descender i can imagine that because you're leaning forwards and so forth the pressure on your hands and on your elbow and on your wrist and so forth must be so much higher than on an uphill yeah. section so i truly think that hurts him more in a descent and it's logical that it hurts him more I just hope it doesn't influence them too much on the climb, so that we have a battle.
0: Uh, going over, you know, eighty, ninety kilometers an hour over chip seal road surface, the vibrations in y- in your hands are crazy. And as you said, you get, you know, descending Ordino. It's a eleven minute descent, ten minute descent.
1: Mate, I did twenty five minutes on it.
0: <laughs> oh, it might have been <laughs> raining. Um, it was snowing, so you know, yeah, your hands. It is very fatiguing on the wrists. Obviously, these guys are a little bit better than us uh, downhill. But that's just something I noticed that it's very, very clear that. Vingegaard is a better technical descender than Pogaccia, uh at the moment. Whether that's wrist, whether that's technique, anyway, I'm not sure. But there were times, and I think Vingegaard noticed on the descent that he could get Pagaccia off the wheel in in corners. How that could be used as an advantage, I'm not really sure. Uh, to yeah. be honest, at least not in for the rest of this week. So we have a Tour de France. Very. We were looking down the barrel. Fuck, man, it's amazing. Because. It, 2021, I remember it because I'm scarred for life. First year of covering cycling. Yeah. First full year of covering cycling full time and first time I have the ASO rights for the tour. And then Pagacha, Grand Bonon, three minutes, bang. Teen, another minute, bang. First rest day. I was like, Pfft. and um, it's hard to get people interested when someone's five minutes ahead. So certainly we don't have that here. Yumbo Visma back to the drawing board, Benji. Well, They're going to be a bit scared after today. I think so yeah like on, as i said obviously i didn't expect this to happen today um, me neither it's I, good but i didn't i, I didn't re- i really really didn't expect this to happen so whether it's and we'll see with the numbers whether it's Vingergaard underperforming i don't think so i think Pegacha was just really really good and he's back on back on his top level so that's good for the race
1: one more thing i want to know there's a battle at the front of the race always there's also a battle at the back of the race to try and stay within contention Jakobson and crash a few days ago I'm fairly certain he made it in time. At least our YouTube chat is telling me that he made it in time. So if I'm wrong, it's all these people in the YouTube chat.
0: Okay. We'll listen to the YouTube chat. I'm sure they are. Yeah. I never watch it. I have to focus on the profiles or all the <laughs> notes. Otherwise I get lost. Okay. Tomorrow. Oh yeah. This was a great, by the way, this race already compared to the Giro. The GC action is mental. <laughs> Mate. Half uh, a
1: imagine... stage of the last two days yeah, has yeah. more
0: GC action than the entire Giro. Stage 7 tomorrow from mont de Marsan to Bordeaux. Now, this should be a more chill stage. I don't know if there's crosswinds up at Bordeaux. It's a flat sprint stage. We have one categorized climb. It's 1.2 k 4%. One KOM point. Irrelevant. Uh, there's an intermediate sprint at Grignol. It's a, it's a flat stage. This is, I think, 800 meters climbing total over the 170 kilometers. It's a pure bunch sprint. Jakobsen, I believe, made the top yeah, cut today. That's- he might, he might still it- be riding. The chat told us... Okay, apparently he made it. Um, good for him. <laughs> but I, I don't know how he'll be affected by that crash, even for the sprint tomorrow, because it was one for him in yeah. the Uh Who do you think, Benji? Because Phillipson's climbing so well. And so th- these hard stages, he will be able, Surely he's at an advantage. That's why we liked him for the Champs Elysees, because he seems to recover better than the pure sprinters, too.
1: And it's also a major advantage when it comes to the green jersey. And he doesn't really need to go in the breakaways to take points if no. he just wins every single sprint. That and being Benart, said...
0: And not even going for the points.
1: Van der Poel is lead-out. he said before the stage, I'm not going to try because I want to save myself for Philipsen tomorrow. Philipsen won the other day. Yeah, today, he didn't save himself. I don't think that's going to influence it at all. No. I, sh- I still find it a shame that he didn't try on Jaiskebel. That being said, Philipsen is the favorite for the sprint. But I want someone else to win because I like someone else winning sometimes. So I'm going to go for Wellsford again because he's, uh, he's probably lurking in the chat. So... Might as well give his name. Or he's probably still riding.
0: (laughs) Maybe he's still riding. Hopefully he makes it. So this sprint tomorrow looks, it's got a few roundabouts in the last 10 kilometers. There's a deviation and then they go, it looks like they do a 90 degree right hand turn at 3.5 and then uh, basically a double back on themselves uh, before doing an S bend. Into the final finishing straight on the river mm-hmm. in Bordeaux on the the southern or, or western side, and then the last oh, two K's are about pretty straight. I think the it looks gently bending, but mm-hmm. not to the the finish looks pretty straight.
1: Do you believe at any point that Bauhaus can win a stage because their leader was good on stage four? But yeah. I feel like he's always going to be that second tier sprinter on the second line. No.
0: Mm. Yeah, you're right. It feels like. Even if he gets in good position, there's always going to be someone faster because there's so many fast guys in this race. You know, Say he gets in a really good position and Philipsen has made a mistake and is, yeah. is for whatever reason, then there'll be a Jakob. If he does a well Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and he lost Vanderpool in, in the moto circuit the other day. Who will win this sprint? I think Philipsen will win. It. I'm going to go with Caleb Ewan. The Aussies are having a good week so far. I'm going to go with Ewan because he looked all right on the other day and... I know Guanieri's out, but he's he's been having good position too. So I'm gonna go Caleb Ewan. Uh, shocking. Yeah, I, I never pick Ewan actually for much. But you went well, so I went Ewan. So we got an Australian one-two tomorrow. Uh, mine's gonna win. Your one's gonna win. Anything else? Any other Dinners ones? on whoever loses. Fair enough. <laughs> what happens when uh, who's another Sep oh, not Sep Kuh? Sep GC is on, mate. He's standing GC. Sebkus should write for GC. <laughs> After Jonas' capitulation today. Come on. Yeah, he's the real leader. Yeah, Van has got to go for stages and Kus GC because Jonas don't have it. Do you reckon that Van can win a stage in this Tour de France?
1: He, yeah, of course. Very likely, but he's missed out on, on six so far and when it comes to these sprints, yes, he can compete. Can he win one of these sprints? I always feel like he's going to end second or third because he's that kind of sprinter that he has the way to stay ahead, but then the accelerative sprinters are able to get past him stage, in the final stage.
0: Stage is the one that Stage 8 is like a softer version of uh, yeah. Lausanne or, or So ben. I think, Yeah, so Stage 8 looks really, really good for him. Philipson, though, as well, eh? 10 is kind of hard. Uh, no, I think Stage 8 is on the limit for Philipson. If those okay. climbs are done really, really hard, they're like back to back to back to back, and it's uphill. So I think that's tough, even for Philipson. He could, he could be there, but I wouldn't be surprised to actually see Van Der Poel. But we'll get to that stage after tomorrow. Tomorrow is a pure bunch sprint. Some will regale us with the wind conditions I'm in the Bordeaux region, but I don't think that we winds either. I haven't heard talk of that, and usually Twitter gets wind of that before. It's the wind of that. Well, yeah, well, how <laughs> good. Thanks very much for tuning in. The Tour de France is not dead. It's still back on. Uh, and, yeah, we'll see you with the recap of the Sprint Stage tomorrow. Until then, ciao. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's
1: a show that we recommend.